0: Hey, well, if you don't know me, my name is Jay, and I have the honor and privilege of being one of the pastors here at Seven Cities Church, along with my brother, Pastor Brian Wood, sitting there. I know y'all are used to seeing his handsome face up here, but you get me today. Amen. So I hope you're excited about that. If you're not, uh, see me in the lobby afterwards, and I'll slide you a 20, and we'll be good next week. Woohoo! Come get paid, right? If this is your first time here, thank you so much for choosing to worship with us today. I know there are so many options out there uh, for where you can go and connect But we're glad that you've chosen to connect here today, and it's just good to see your smiling face. Now, you have joined us actually at the end of a message series that we're calling Factory Reset. And we're talking about, like, how do we get back to God's intent for us? How do we get back to the designer's intent for us? And we've kind of taken an outside-in approach with this. Pastor Brian kicked it off in week one, talking about a physical reset and how do we present our bodies to the Lord as a spiritual sacrifice. And then last week, he gave an awesome message about a mental reset, like getting our mind back uh, to what God wants for us and what He intends for us. And if you missed that message, you can listen to it on our podcast. And I highly encourage that because I believe the content of it uh, meets a lot of us right where we are today. But today, I'm going to talk about a spiritual reset, the third part of this message. And as I was prepping this, I, I asked myself this question, when do we do factory resets? When, when do we tend to do factory resets? And it's when something is broken or malfunctioning. Now, I switched from Windows to Apple years ago, so I haven't had to do a factory reset in a long time. You Windows people that have those blue screens of death and all of that stuff. Whew, Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. Any music lovers in here? Anybody love music? Yeah, come on, somebody. Anybody like to make playlists? I do. I like to make playlists. And you use Spotify and Apple Music and stuff like that now, right? Well, I when I grew up, I had to use a cassette tape. And I had to sit in front of my radio like all day long. Anybody else have to do that? All right, if you just raised your hand and you haven't already done so, it's time for a colonoscopy. <laughs> we need to... Uh... <laughs> but we had to sit there all day long and just listen to the radio, wait... Hope they didn't cut our song off. Hope the DJ didn't start talking in the middle of it. Like, just to catch your favorite song. And then you'd get to the thing and you'd hit record and you realize you ran out of tape. You had to flip the tape around real quick and put it back in. Like, it was horrible. And now you can just go to Spotify or Apple Music and all the young people looking at me like, dang, you old, bro. <laughs> but now you can just go to Spotify or Apple Music and just download the song that you want. And it's right there for you, Right. Then in between the cassette tape and Apple Music, we had these things like Napster. Y'all remember those? Napster, LimeWire, Kazan. So I used to download music there. used to go to LimeWire, download some music, but every once in a while when you would download a song from LimeWire, you would download a whole bunch of other stuff with it that you didn't want. Corrupt files, And, and oftentimes that is when I had to do a factory reset because I downloaded this song that I wanted, and I got the song that I wanted, but I also got all of this malware and all this spam and all this other stuff that I had to get rid of, so I had to go back and do a factory reset. And oftentimes, our spiritual lives are just like that. We listen to a bunch of teachers and preachers and pastors, and we read all of these different books and all of these different things, and we get the information that we want, but every once in a while, we download something that's maybe a little unnecessary, something that maybe corrupts Some files in our life, and we need to get back to God's design for us. We need to get back to His original intent, who He created us to be. And that's why we're going to talk about a spiritual reset today. And to talk to you about this spiritual reset, I'm going to use a story in scripture. It's found in the book of John, chapter 3. If you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn there. John, chapter 3. If you don't have your Bible, uh, the scriptures will be on the screen, but I highly encourage you to bring a Bible to church with you so that you can take notes and write in it and highlight and do all that fun stuff that that you want to do. But today we're going to be going John chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. And if you're there, go ahead and say, I'm there. All right, two of y'all are there. Let's go ahead and read. The rest of y'all looking at the screen. Good deal. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And then Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? How can these things be? Now, Jesus told Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You must be born again. And Nicodemus honed in on that word again, and he said, can I enter again into my mother's womb? Like, can I go back a second time to that place from which I came? And all the moms were like, no, no, not happening, right? That word again that's used there, and I'm going to be a nerd for a second, is the Greek word anothen, anothen. And it can mean again, just like it's used here, but it can also mean from above. And so Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about being born from above, but Nicodemus is taking it like a second birth. Like, I got to go back into My mother's womb. Jesus is really telling Nicodemus, you need a spiritual factory reset. You need to reset your spiritual life. You need to get back to the designer's intent for you. And what is God's intent for you? What is his intent for me? What is his intent for each and every one of us in this room? His first intent is for us to be in relationship with him. He wants us to be in relationship with him. That's what he designed us and created us for, His second intent for us is that he wants us to be ambassadors for him. He wants us to go out and share his gospel to the world. And he wants us to worship and glorify him. The question for us, though, is how do we get back to the designer's intent for us? How do we get back to that place? I got two things for you today, just two. I'm not a good Baptist, I only got two. But I got two things for you today that I believe we can pull out of this story here with Nicodemus in this conversation with Jesus that will tell us how to get back to the designer's intent for us, that will tell us how do we get this spiritual factory reset that we so desperately need. And they are pretty simple things, and I would encourage you to write them down as we go through them. But there's two of them. And the first one is this. You need to hear the gospel. You need to hear the gospel. I'm gonna jump back into John 3, 1. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees, and I'm going to stop there for a second. There was a man of the Pharisees. Why does John say this? About Nicodemus. He wants us to understand who Nicodemus is. See, this phrase, a man of the Pharisees, the Pharisees were this religious group. They had the scripture, they had all the knowledge. They were the ones who led the nation of Israel in their religious understanding. So, this man that came to Jesus by night was a man of knowledge. He was a learned man. He was not a simple guy that just happened to meet Jesus on the street. He was a man of the Pharisees. It says his name was Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. This means that he was a man of status. He was a man of clout and a man of stature. That caused this second verse. This man came to Jesus by night. Why would he do that? Because he didn't want anybody else to know he was there. He was afraid he was going to lose his position if people knew that he was coming to Jesus seeking answers. And he said, Rabbi, we know. We know. Now, who's he talking about with we? Pharisees. This is obviously a lie because the Pharisees didn't believe Jesus came from God. The Pharisees didn't like Jesus. They didn't believe in what Jesus was doing. But he says, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And then Jesus answered again, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus came to Jesus with his own understanding, with his own knowledge, but his knowledge got in the way of what Jesus was trying to say to him. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. We have to acknowledge God, that God is God. That's where we get our understanding from. We can't come to God with our own knowledge and our own understanding. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. You're coming to God from a place of presuppositions, like you've entered into this place and you already have your mind made up about who this God is that wants to reset your life spiritually. You already have your mind made up based on what you've heard or what you've been taught somewhere else. And God would say to you this morning, I want you to tear down those presuppositions. I want you to come to me fresh and new and let me introduce myself to you so that you can have this relationship with me. For you, the factory reset that you need is to hear the gospel clearly. And I know sometimes that can be hard to do because there's so many voices out there in the world that have taken everything that we know about God and his word and we've mixed it all up and we've sprinkled in a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So now when we hear the gospel, we're not quite sure exactly what we're hearing. Now, oftentimes when we hear the gospel, we think that that means that, hey, man, I got to have good credit. My kids need to go to college. I need to vote Republican. And I got to make sure that I go to the right Baptist church down the street. And then I'm going to get into heaven because I wrote 14 checks last month for five different orphanages. And I gave a whole lot of money to the church. So I'm on my way to heaven. And we hear that as the gospel. That is not the gospel. It's not the gospel. That's some made up thing that we've created that has made Christians start to live their life in such a way that they have reprioritized what's important to God. That is not the gospel. You need to hear the gospel message clearly. And what is this gospel message? Jesus starts it a little later in chapter three in John three sixteen, And we all know this verse or many of us know this verse. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And see, this is oftentimes where we mess the gospel up because we think the gospel is about those of us who are good. But it says that God gave his only son that so whosoever would believe in him, not just the good people, but the people who are out there struggling with drugs and alcoholism and everything else in the world. If they could turn and believe in God. God gave his only son to redeem those people, and maybe that's you in here today. Maybe you came in here today, and you have something attached to your life. Maybe you're addicted to drugs or alcohol, or maybe you're addicted to pornography, or maybe you're in a relationship that you don't need to be in, and God gave his only son to set you free. He didn't give his son to condemn you. It says that his son did not come in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He gave his only son to save you. And you need to hear that gospel. You also need to hear the gospel of Romans 3.23. And this is where we all found ourselves, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have. I'm a pastor. I'm not standing up here before you better than you. I'm not holier than you. I have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But because of the gospel that God gave his only son that I could be redeemed, I can stand here before you a redeemed person today because God gave his only son, but we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Why? Because of Romans 5, 8, that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to come in here perfect. You don't have to come in here already good. Christ died for you in the midst of your mess. He wants you to bring your mess to him and leave it at the foot of the cross so that he can redeem you from that. And he can mold you into the person that he wants you to be. That is the gospel of Jesus. And we needed him to do that because of Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. That means that each and every one of us in here deserve death and eternity in hell. But because of Christ Jesus our Lord and God's love for us, guess what? We get to spend eternity with him if we received his gift of salvation. That is the gospel message that you need to hear. You also need to hear the gospel message from Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 that tells us that we are saved by grace through faith, that it's a gift of God and not of our own work so that none of us can boast because we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. God had a plan for you, for you from the very foundation of the world. He didn't just happen to think up something today. He knew you were going to be in this place today. And a part of that plan was for you to clearly hear the gospel message so that you could see him for who he is and enter into a relationship with him rightly. And this isn't just for the unsaved person. This is for those of us who are saved, who have mixed in all these other things with the gospel that we need to let go of so we can begin to see God clearly because that is when we will impact the world around us for Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only son for you because you are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared in advance that you could walk in them. But it's not just about salvation. And I love this from Romans chapter eight, uh, verses 28 through 30. I'm going to flip there real quick because I need to take a breath. I'm getting old, y'all. Romans 8, 28 through 30. And we know that all things. Woo. We know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Sometimes we misinterpret this verse. Sometimes we actually use this verse against God because something bad happens in our life. And we say, God, I love you. I'm your child. I'm called according to your purpose. Why does that bad thing happen? And when I say misinterpret, what we're really doing is we want to be the ones to define what good is. Right. We need to let that go. God is the only one who can define good. And sometimes that thing that came in your life that felt bad, God didn't intend it to hurt you. He sees your pain. Not a single tear that you cry is wasted on him. But God will use that thing for good in your life and in the life of others if you will submit that thing to him. You may be facing something really difficult right now, and I want you to hear me clearly. God works all things together for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean that it's going to feel good right now. It may not even feel good a month from now, but God has an ultimate plan, and your pain and your hurt is not wasted on him. But it goes on to say, for those whom he foreknew, he foreknew you. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He's molding us into the image of Christ in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This isn't just about salvation. God has a plan not just to save us, but to walk with us through life until we are glorified with him and spend eternity with him. That is the full gospel message, that God loved you so much that he sent his only son to die for you, that while you were in the midst of your sin, he didn't judge you based on your sin and your shame. He put every, guilt, every piece of guilt that you had, he put on Jesus who bore it on the cross in your place and paid a debt that you could never pay. That's the gospel. And then God wants to work in you through his Holy Spirit to conform you to the image of the Son. Until we are glorified with him. And you might be saying, you know, Pastor Jay preached, bro, these unsaved people, they need to hear that. But again, it's not just for the unsaved. This is for all of us. The gospel is for every single one of us. And maybe for the person in here who is saved, that extra thing that you've added to the gospel, maybe you've faced some trouble in life. And so now you think God isn't good. And we just read Romans 8:28 that all things work together for good, but Maybe your marriage is crumbling. Maybe your kids have gone off the deep end and you're like, God, if you were good, this wouldn't happen to me. I'm living according to your word. I'm doing what you're telling me to do. God, if you're good, why is this happening? Maybe sickness has invaded your life. I've been in pain all week. I jacked up my back. I'm getting old, oh, y'all. Y'all pray for me. That's why I need that colonoscopy, too. But I jacked up my back and I've been in pain all week. And I'm like, man, God, I got to preach this week. I got to get up. I'm sharing your gospel you know let me walk around in pain and we start to think like that like god what are you doing and god's like no you're in pain because you did something stupid right that's why your back hurts but you need to get that right but sometimes we add these extra things on to the gospel for some of us this extra thing we've added and I, and I alluded to this earlier is this this nationalism and politicalism and that was nicodemus Nicodemus was a religious man and a ruler of the Jews. He was a political figure who had mixed in his religion with his national ideology. And that's what the Pharisees did. So if you weren't a Jew in faith and in nationality, they hated you. They wanted nothing to do with you. And that's who came to Jesus that night, was was Nicodemus, this man that felt that way. And for some of us, we've done the exact same thing. We begin to, to mix nationalism and our religion. And I know how tempting that is because I love America. I served in the armed forces. I get it. And it's so tempting to want to mix all that stuff together. But that is not the gospel. As much as I hate to say this, the name America is not mentioned in the Bible anywhere. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that God so loved The world, not just this piece of the world. And if we don't change our view of that, we begin to hate and dislike people that Jesus died for. We've got to change our view on that stuff. For some of you, maybe that thing that you've added in is fear and doubt. Maybe you live your life fearful all the time and doubting what God can do. And you need to surrender that. You need to give that to to Jesus and leave it at the foot of the cross. You need to hear that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. That's what you need to turn over to him in this spiritual factory reset. As I was prepping for this message, I came across this quote. It's by a man named Merrill Tinney. And, and the quote is this. He said, and it's not on the screen. I'm sorry. I didn't get it to, to my man Cam in time to make sure it made the slides. My bad, bud. But uh, he said, birth is our mode of entrance into the world and brings with it the potential equipment for adjustment to the world. So he's talking about being born naturally. He said his It's passing from one kind of life and from one environment into another. To be born again, like what Jesus was talking about to Nicodemus, to be born again or born from above means a transformation of a person so that he or she is able to enter another world and adapt to its conditions. What he's really saying, this world is not our home. We're not citizens of this place. We are citizens of heaven. We are children of the kingdom of God, and being born again, being born from above, the purpose of that is to return us to the designer's intent so that we are prepared for that world. You need to hear the gospel just as much, some of us, as the unsaved person, because right now a lot of us are limping through life. We're just barely getting by through life. Hear me clearly on this child of God. You were not designed to limp into eternity. We were created to go through life victoriously, and triumphantly. But we only do that when we hear the gospel clearly. And when we apply the gospel clearly to our lives, you need to hear the gospel clearly, hear God's love for you and his plan for you and his intent for you. But once you hear it, you need to do the second thing. And it's this, you need to respond to the gospel. You need to respond to it. John 3, 4 through 9, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Now we hear this as an innocent question almost because of the way it's phrased here. But Nicodemus was actually being condescending when he asked Jesus this question because again, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a learned man. He was an academic guy. Like Nicodemus, he was a teacher of the Jews. He knew everything he thought. So here you have Jesus, this carpenter, this man from humble beginnings coming up to him and trying to share this message with him. And Nicodemus is like, you must be crazy. Like I can't go into my mother's womb a second time. You sound foolish right now. So this is what's actually happening here. He said, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Excuse me, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. Excuse me. I didn't want to cough in your ear. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? How can these things be? Nicodemus heard this in his own understanding. Ben, can you give me my bottle of water? It's right by Jolene. And that understanding kept him from responding. Thank you. His initial response That always sounds wonderful across the mic, doesn't it? Glug, 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 glug. His initial response was challenging and condescending. But Nicodemus, all those preconceived notions that he came to Jesus with are actually what was keeping him from clearly hearing and responding to the gospel in this moment. Nicodemus had so much learning. He had so much information That that information, when Jesus just clearly said to him, you got to be born of water and the spirit, Nicodemus is like, born again, born again. And maybe that's where you are with all of this. Maybe you have so much information that has hit you in life. Maybe there's so much life experience. Maybe maybe you're like me and you're super analytical and you got to figure out all of, all of the stuff first, like creation. Was that six literal days or, you know, what happened between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2? <coughs> Excuse me. And, and you're trying to figure all of these things out. And all of those preconceived notions, all of that information that you're looking for is keeping you from clearly hearing the simplicity of the gospel. And because you can't clearly hear it, you can't clearly respond to it. And so you're feeling that battle on the inside. Do you know what the difference between hearing and responding is? It's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. The difference between clearly hearing and responding to the gospel is the work of the Holy Spirit in you. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts you of sin, who shows you your need for a Savior. It is he who gives you the faith to believe and the ability to understand. It is the Holy Spirit who draws you to the cross and shows you that Jesus is the only way, the only truth and the only life. It is the Holy Spirit who seals you, who will be your guarantee at the day of salvation. When you arrive before the throne of God, it is going to be the Holy Spirit on your life that is your seal that he looks at and say, you belong to me. Therefore, you belong here. It is the Holy Spirit who will do the things in you that we've been talking about the last few weeks. He will help you present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice, and he will help you renew your mind so that you can see and hear clearly what God is saying to you. It is the Holy Spirit who will give you grace day by day by day to fight spiritual battles and overcome temptation. It is the Holy Spirit who is active in your life, and it's he who is working on your behalf. All you have to do is respond. And so you find yourself in this place where you're like, I have heard this gospel and I hear it, but I've never been able to make sense of it. But now because of the work of the Holy Spirit, not only do I hear it, but I'm starting to only uh, to understand it. How do you take part in it? And scripture tells us in Romans 10, 9. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be born again, but that's not your work. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in you because, for with one the heart, or for with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. And that may sound easy, but that is the work of the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. And y'all, like, I saw band movers moving around. Is he almost done? I actually am. This is a short message, but. For some of you this may be your first time really hearing the gospel. You know, and I hate to admit this because I've been a part of this. All too often we as churches are guilty of just turning this into hey, if you just heard this message and you don't want to go to hell just just raise your hand and you know and sign our card and you'll be okay. And we've done that. I've done that. I'm guilty of that. And then you leave and you feel like I'm okay. And then next Easter, when you come back to church with mama, you raise your hand again and you sign the card again and you leave. And then you come back on Mother's Day with mama and you raise your hand again and you sign the card again and you leave. And, and I've done that. I'm sure many people in this room have done that. We've, we've, we've done that. But That's not salvation. And the gospel message that I want you to hear today is that God the Father loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you. And God the Son loves you so much that he hung on a cross in your place. He bore a debt that you could never pay to restore your relationship with him and the Father. And God the Holy Spirit loves you so much that he now will dwell inside of you for eternity and seal you for the day of salvation. You don't have to go through life apart from God. You don't have to go through life separated from him. You don't have to limp into eternity that you can go through life victoriously. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And that is the gospel message. Not that you just needed saving, but Jesus was so intent on restoring your relationship with the father. That is what you and I were created for. Man and woman were designed, placed in the garden to walk day by day with God. We were created for that relationship with him. And that relationship was broken when sin into the world. And instead of God saying, you know what? They screwed up. That's their fault. They're going to have to fix it. He said, they made a mistake, but I'm going to fix it. And here's my fix. I, God, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus himself, I'm going to, empty myself of my glory. I'm going to step outside of heaven, step outside of eternity. I'm going to clothe myself in flesh and I'm going to come down and I'm going to be born in a manger. I'm going to live in the muck and the mire and the sin of humanity. All of this stuff that is an affront to my presence. I'm going to dwell in the midst of it and I'm going to live a perfect life and I'm going to allow myself to be arrested. Although when those people captured me, I could have called from heaven and a thousand angels would have came down and destroyed them. I said, no, my love is going to hold me here and I'm going to allow myself to be nailed to a cross in their place. I'm going to endure the sin and the guilt and the shame. I'm going to endure separation from the Father. It says that the Father turned his back on him and that was the first time Jesus for all of eternity had ever experienced separation from the Father. He said, God, why have you forsaken me? The first time he'd ever experienced being outside of his Father's presence. He did that for you. He took that for you. And we know that he was nailed to that cross. As he was hanging there, he said, it is finished. And what was finished was the work that he came to do to restore that relationship between you and the father. And then he died in that place and he was buried in that tomb. And three days later, he rose victoriously. And because he's alive, we can live victoriously in him. We can have victory in him because he was victorious over the grave. the gospel message, but it didn't just stop there. Jesus then ascended back into heaven, and now he is in heaven as your high priest. He makes intercession for you. Each and every day, he's praying over you that the Father would send his angels to watch over you, to keep you, lest you dash your foot against the stone. His work isn't finished, and in addition to that, he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you, to take All this stuff we've talked about these last few weeks, he's going to reset your physical body so that you can be a living sacrifice. He's going to renew your mind so that you can think holy and pure thoughts. This is not a finished, it is a finished work, but it's not done inside of you. Because as long as you have life in your body, he's still working on you. Jesus didn't just come down for a one-time thing. He came down to deliver you into the hands of the Father, into relationship with him for all of eternity. All of that for you and for me. We didn't deserve it. We could never earn it. But God chose to freely give it as a gift. So for some of you, this may be your first time hearing the gospel and you're hearing it because God brought you into this place today because he wanted you to hear. It. He needed you to hear it clearly without all the noise, without all the extra. He wanted you to hear it. For some of you, you're like that, that music download analogy. You've got the gospel in you, but it's so corrupted with other stuff. And God's message to you would be, it's time to do a factory reset. It's time to come back to my intent. It's time to get rid of the extra, time to get rid of the things you've added on and come back to the simplicity of the gospel. So where are you at today? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and just take a moment. And if you're in this place today and you would say, Pastor Jay, I'm that Christian that, that you're talking about, that I've heard the gospel, but I've allowed fear and doubt. I've allowed other things to creep in. Any of the things I talked about, maybe it's something even else. Maybe it's, I've, I've got this, this gospel message in me, but because of the sins in my life, I, I've accepted some things that maybe I shouldn't accept because I don't want to let go of the wrong things that I'm doing. Or maybe you're that person in here who would say, Pastor Jay, I've heard the gospel, but I've never responded to it. And I need to respond to it. And we're going to do something a little bit different today. If you're in either one of those camps, if you're like, Pastor Jay, I want to respond to the gospel. I want to I be a disciple of Jesus. I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. Would you raise your hand for me? Nobody's looking around. I'm, I'm not going to call you out or put you on the spot. I see hands. Thank you for that. Thank you for being bold and doing that. And if you're that person who, you're like, I'm a Christian, but Man. Pastor Jay, you're right. I've I've added some things on and I want to do a a spiritual factory reset. Would you raise your hand for me? I see those hands as well. And thank you for your boldness in that. I'm going to ask all of us to be really bold here for a second. Here's what we're going to do differently, because, you know, as a church in a new place and we're establishing kind of a a new identity and a new culture for who we want to be. As a church, we are we are a church who loves one another, who cares for one another, who bears one another's burdens. There's no no sin that, that you should come in here so ashamed of that you can't give to your brothers and sisters in Christ and trust that we're going to pray over you because Scripture tells us that if we confess our faults to one another and pray for one another, that we'll be healed because the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man has great power while it's working. And we want to be that kind of church. So. If you raise your hand for either one of those things, and I'm just going to ask you to be super bold for a second and just stand up where you are, because I want the people around you to pray for you and to pray with you and understand this as you stand. There are a lot of people sitting by you who, who probably should be standing with you and they just they just did not have the courage to, to raise their hand, and that's okay. Or maybe they stand with you now, but I'm just going to ask you right now, just stand, let's just be bold and stand up right where we are. And let's pray for one another. If you see somebody that's around you that's standing, and man, go and pray for them, man. Walk up to them and just pray for them right now, right where you are. I mean, I know that we have some of our elders in here. If you guys too could go and, and just pray with people. Um, some of our leaders, city group leaders, if you see somebody standing near you, just go and, and pray with them. And let's be a church that prays for one another and that cares for one another. And as the band plays, let's just let's just take a moment and do business with God and And just pray for one another, amen? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lord, we love you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Lord, you're good and your mercy endures forever, God. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Great is your goodness. Great is your mercy. Great is your kindness, Lord. Jesus, we are so thankful for Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful that you would meet us in this place as we come in broken, hurting, unworthy, but we are made worthy by the blood of Jesus. We are made righteous by the blood of Jesus that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy to help in time of need because of the blood of Jesus. That we have a high priest who is standing in the throne room of God interceding on our behalf. Jesus, you are a great high priest, and we're so thankful for that. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do on our behalf. Lord, thank you for your gospel, your good news. It's not just about salvation, but Lord, that you've called us to live a victorious life and that we're going to be glorified with you and spend eternity with you and help us to see the total gospel clearly that we can not only see it and hear it, but know it, respond to it, believe it, and then live it out in our lives, Lord. And because I know that when people see that, that's when they say, I want what they have. And that's our hard desire, Lord, that people would see you in us, and that they would want a relationship with you because of that. And we know it's not because of us, because we're unworthy, we're undeserving, Jesus, but it's all because of you, because of your finished work on the cross. It's all because of you, Heavenly Father, and your love for us. It's all because of you, Holy Spirit, and your presence in us. And we are so thankful for it. We are so thankful for it. Lord, I pray over every person in this room, those who are standing and those who are not Give us a fresh view of your gospel, a fresh understanding of your good news, Lord. Let us not only, again, let us not just see it. Let us not just hear words today, Lord, but let us respond to it. Let us internalize it. Let us, let us just dwell on it, Father God, to a place where it radically changes our lives and people just see you in everything that we do. Lord, and we love you. We honor you. And we give you all the praise for it. And Jesus, it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. If you're still standing, you can go ahead and be seated. We're all going to stand again in just a second. But before we do, I just want to let you guys know a couple of things real quick. Um, We're going to be starting a new message series next week called I Am. I am. And we're going to be talking about Jesus in his own words, basically. Who does Jesus say that he is? There's seven statements in the Bible where Jesus uses this name. I am and gives us a a glimpse of who He is, because if we have a right understanding of who He is, that helps us so much more in our relationship with Him. And that's the goal of all this, to be in relationship with Him. Now, if you're in here and you're fairly new to Seven Cities Church, we're gonna be doing next week what we call First Step. It's gonna be in our church office, which is less than five minutes from here, but we'll provide you with lunch, and it just gives you a chance. I'll be there, Pastor Brian will be there, some of our elders and staff will be there. Just an opportunity to meet with us, to ask whatever questions you may have to hear a little bit more about the church and to hopefully decide that Seven Cities Church is the place I want to be and join uh, the church family. And another way that you can join our church family is by joining a city group. We believe that city groups are the best way to do connection and to have Meaningful discipleship in your lives, and so our city groups are available. They're on our website, or you can stop by the Next Step Station on the way out and talk with someone about joining a city group. Our desire is for everybody to be in one because we believe that that's where discipleship happens.